Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. I'm your host, Chris Sands, and today I'm joined by Dan Kennedy, the sales and marketing manager and also the face of Orchid Cellar Meadery and Winery. Is it still officially Meadery and Winery? Because I think at some point I heard there was like a toying around changing the name. Um, yeah, we're, we're still making wine at the moment, okay. but we're sort of thinking about just going head first in a mead. So it's, it's whatever the people want. That's what we're here for. It's crazy that, um, well, I mean, I guess all alcohol is really old, but that mead has seemed to like have a huge resurgence in the last couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah. We think it's the world's oldest alcohol by a few thousand years, but every time, you know, every few years they have a new discovery and it pushes it back another two or three thousand years. But oh, that they were making mead. Yeah, that they were making oh, mead. Wow. Uh, we think about two thousand years long uh, before beer, and then maybe about twenty five hundred years before wine, because um, they essentially every ancient culture had honey. So okay. as long as sort of the honey sort of accidentally spoils, they can sort of discover it independently. And they also think it happened uh, pre human existence. Uh, so it's probably just like honey sitting around i'm like my goodness this one tastes and <laughs> makes me feel a lot better than this one right yeah i mean <laughs> this new one's junk compared to this <laughs> jar that's been sitting around for <laughs> a little bit i mean well you think about a beehive you know if a little bit of rainwater gets in because it gets knocked over by a yeah. bear or falls out of a tree or something like that it's you know it you activate the wild yeast that's already in the honey and yeah it starts to ferment and then the magic happens Chaucer comes by, gets a little whacked, and <laughs> we got Beowulf. <laughs> <laughs> my my wife, who will never listen to this, but would ap- appreciate that. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's an English – well, was an English teacher. Now she does other stuff. But uh, My uh, <laughs> my truish history is always that um, – Chaucer was always whacked whenever he wrote those his, those books. So uh, <laughs> if you didn't understand the story when you were in grade school, it wasn't your fault. You were sober. <laughs> it was the Mead's fault. <laughs> yeah, and it was the Mead's fault. So that's my truest history. So how long has Orchid Cellar been around? Uh, we're coming up on uh, nine years. So you started ma- making Mead before people cared about mead absolutely i mean i mean some people did because i know like my my wife's uncle forever ago was like we'd go visit him and he because he knew i like beer he'd always push mead on me right. and i'm like oh, okay yeah <laughs> take some time yeah yeah <laughs> it's uh yeah the owners are first generation polish and in poland you know mead is right up there with vodka so that's that's sort of like their two. Oh, i didn't know that yeah it's big in a lot of eastern european countries but poland has a huge history uh, a lot of the monastery has been making it for you know, hundreds of years, not thousands. Is that the reason? Monster? Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't know if there was like some weird sort of societal or like. Uh, there probably like, is. I don't know. It's, it, it just seems like whenever there's something like that where there, it's big in a certain area, like if you go back far enough, there's like just some strange reason to uh, of the origin of that. Right. Well, I mean, you know, the Catholic Church is is, is basically one with the, with the country. So. You know, the monasteries were always looking for ways to sort of fund their projects and their philanthropy and things like that. So, uh, you know, wine was a thing for a long time, but wine grapes aren't going to really grow super well in Poland. Um, So mead was a great way to go outside of, you know, the vodka that they already had. But vodka was sort of, you know, 
quality of vodka didn't matter all that much. You know, as long as it's a, a certain level of quality, it's good to go. Yeah. You, know, it's, you can only distill it so many times. You can only make it so perfect. But mead, I mean, you put it in a barrel for 10 years, and when it comes out, it, it tastes like liquid silk. If it's, I didn't. Yeah. I, had, I had no idea that it that it would be aged that long. Oh, sure. Apparently, I have a lot to learn about. <laughs> so we've, There's we, so much. Well, the thing is, we've only had one metery on before. Mm-hmm. And it was a long time ago, mm-hmm. and my memory is garbage. So basically, <laughs> this is like me having never talked about mead before in my life. That's cool. <laughs> well, and depending on who you talk to, that they'll give you totally different stories because we think that almost every ancient culture had mead. Mm-hmm. So no matter where you're from, your ancestors likely made it, but it was all discovered independently. So the way I sort of like to tell it is you think about uh, coffee. We think it was discovered in Ethiopia. It slowly travels around the world, and each culture tweaks it to their own style and growing season. So if you taste Colombian coffee and Ethiopian coffee, they're different, but they still more or less taste in the same realm, whereas mead was all discovered independently. Okay. So there's Ethiopian mead called Tej, uh, and if you compare that with Polish mead, I don't even know how you could think of them as the same beverage, but honey is still that common thread, so it's all considered mead. That makes sense. And it was Charm City Mead Works, yeah, which is they're they're different than most other types of mead anyway yeah. across the board. Absolutely. Um, Good stuff. And then other ones I've tried also were very different than anything else I've tried. So I think it's <laughs> every time someone tries mead, they're like, How is this the same thing as what I've tried before? And and really it's just style stylistic difference, really. Uh, it's huge. So you've been around for going on nine years. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you have mead that's been sitting in a barrel that you plan on cracking out <laughs> after 10 years? Or um, is is we, that not a common thing for me no. to do? Um, we, uh, we do have ones that have, that have been aged for three years. Um, but uh, one of the things we plan to do for our sort of 10-year anniversary uh, next fall is we – took about 10 years, almost 10 years of leftovers. Because even if you've been open for nine years, you know, you have, you've been making mead for, you know, 10, 11, 12 years, because it takes a long time to get to that point um, before you have product. So we took about 10 years worth of leftovers, you know, the bottom of the barrel stuff, you know, when you make it, you got to rack off the top 98%, the bottom 2%. It's got wax and a little bit of like, you know, strawberry seeds or sort of any sort of leftover stuff that you don't want if you want a perfectly clear beverage well we've been sort of storing that away and just pitching yeast into it over and over again okay and we took it to our friends at mcclintock uh in frederick and uh they distilled it for us and while they were distilling it um the whole distillery smelled like flowers uh they were super happy with it we have been super happy with it so that uh, we'll be uh, it's in a um, American oak barrel for three years by then, and we're going to cut. A first use one? Uh, yes. Okay. And we're going to cut it with a six-year barrel-aged traditional mead um, to sort of give it that kind of like cognac um, kind of feel to it, take it to about 40, 40%. They do so much cool stuff over there. Yeah. <laughs> well, they've, they've... I, I have to give the credit to, to Monica at 10th Ward because it was her idea to okay. make this. She started with a honey jack. And, but we already had so many leftovers that we were like, we, we got to do something with it. You can't pour yeah, it yeah. out. It's too high quality. And also you have to ask the state for like, 
permission to get rid of it essentially because oh, it's waste. Yeah. So we can essentially operate without waste as long as we have distilleries helping. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So. Oh, so is that, and I've probably been told this, who knows how many times. Yeah. But the, is that where the honey jack, yeah. everything comes from? Or Absolutely. I guarantee I've been told that and knew that and just completely forgot it. Well, it's this great little, <laughs> it's a, this great little like working collaboration because essentially to us, if we don't want to go through the process of distilling it, we don't want to get a distilling license, all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's kind of a burden for us to have it at yeah. the end. Um, whereas for uh, 10th Ward, when they first reached out to us, we were making them sort of like fresh virgin batches of mead to distill. And while it sold really well, it was expensive. Yeah. Um, you know, because that's just how it goes. Um, and then finally we were like, wait a minute, why don't we just sell them sort of what we were using to sort of like th these you know, for lack of a better term, leftovers. Yeah, let's sell more garbage. Uh, yeah, but it was like <laughs> Yeah. If your garbage was yeah, the greatest stuff you could possibly find, yeah. and uh, I think it's one of their best-selling products now. I believe it is. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely one of their most popular. Maybe and the it's, absinthe it's so is cool. right there with it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much. I mean, absinthe always gets the. I think the attention. I don't yeah. know what how that relates to sales wise. It's it's cool either way. Yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm close with Monica. I'm close with Tyler and Braden. So. It's, yeah, it's we'll, nice having all those people. We will be trying some whiskey Ooh. from McClintock at right. the end that I made with them. Oh, so you, good. I hate drinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you have six year old. That is that the oldest that or is there the oldest that we have available to release? Like okay. we have a few things that you know stashed in like uh, small barrels and whatnot. There's test batches all over uh, <laughs> like the old production facility. Um, yeah, I think we have bottles that are kind of approaching 12 years or so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but uh, basically, we sort of did everything the backwards way. Usually when people start out, you know, if they're going to make a product that's traditionally aged, like, you know, a winery or something like that, uh, they start off with the stuff that can be made quick. It can help you sort of get some cash flow up. Yeah. And then you work up to, like, the one, two, three, five-year-age stuff. We kind of did it the opposite way. We started with, like, hey, here's something that's aged for four years right off the bat. <laughs> um, and people responded well to it, yeah. but it's really hard to keep that in stock. It's really hard to fund it over yeah. and over again. <laughs> so um, I was like, all right, let's kind of rethink this a little bit. And now we've sort of gotten ourselves a little more balanced because we've been constantly running out of those long age ones because you got to plan four years in advance. Yeah. Uh, so um, the the new brand, the Elemental uh, Meadco brand, uh, is, is a month, few month turnaround rather than a few year turnaround, which is always nice. So that's a way to bridge that gap. Cool. Um, yeah. We're going to take a real quick sponsor break. And then I want to get back into more of the history of how Orchid Cellar got started and the, the I guess, the origin story. Heck yeah. Sounds good. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. All right, so were they, did you say their ancestry was from Poland or they came from Poland? Uh, both. Okay. Yeah, so they're first generation Polish. They came here, uh, I believe, in the mid-90s. 
and uh, they came to America. They tried the meat that America had to offer, and they were sorely disappointed. So they thought, I'm, like, I'm not going to drink this American garbage. It was, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's it's sort of, um, yeah, Van Heiser made a mead. That was essentially yeah. what it was. Um, well, I'm going to guess in, in probably in the 90s, like there was probably like outside of a Ren Fest, people probably really like mead wasn't, there wasn't much of a market for it. Yeah. We think there was about 30 meters in the U.S. at the time that Orchid Cellar started. Okay. Um, to give you an idea that there's a in the realm of six to seven hundred at the moment okay um that may have changed since i drove here so who knows but uh basically um they had some lineage and you know some mead makers behind them uh in poland and uh one of the owners has a phd in bioorganic chemistry that always helps it comes in handy yeah. for yeah. making bio products yeah um <laughs> he's got two other master's degrees too so he'll be fine but uh, he thought, what the heck, let's give it a shot. And I think the first time that we sort of debuted to the public, we went to uh, Wine in the Woods at, at Merriweather, which is just an absolutely massive festival. Yeah. And I want to say it took like two hours, and they were out of everything they had for the year. Nice. Um, and they were like, oh, okay, let's, let's work on this. And essentially, they, um, they moved to the property in Middletown in about 2010, and... Um, just started a tiny little tasting room in the basement of the house. And, you know, if a few people showed up a weekend, awesome. And it just grew and grew and grew to the point that we built a tasting room. It's a log cabin tasting room. It's pretty awesome with a underground uh, production facility uh, underneath of it. And um, we're already starting to get stressed in that space, too. Do you, uh, do they make the mead? Yeah. So okay. yeah. So their their son actually uh, sort of took over the reins. Okay. Uh, he's got a, like a really good mechanical mind. So once he gets the theory of the mead making, he's the one. You know, because just because you know how to make it doesn't mean you know how to take you know this tank and and move it over to there without spilling a drop or adding yeah. any oxygen. That's that's something that just a mechanical mind really needs. Yeah. And their son really excelled at that. Uh, and I was friends with him before, and he just wrote me in because he was like. You know, talking to people isn't my strong suit. I'd rather, you know, sort of get my hands dirty. And, yeah, here we are. So how long have you been there? About five years. Okay. Yeah. So de- decent amount of the time. Yep. So is that, that's probably right around it when it grew from more of like just a side hustle hobby right. type of thing to uh, a full-fledged business. Right. You know, they uh, they had this great product, but they uh, they didn't have like a few of the details about just the look and the sound of it all kind of fleshed out. So, um, you know, we really just wanted to sort of give people an idea of what they were going to taste before they actually tasted it. So that way that that disparity got a lot smaller. And I think that led to a greater acceptance, greater sales for us, like everything got better. Yeah, cause I, w- I mean, I would assume that it's it's probably a lot like um, even craft beer was like 15 years ago, where there's just so much education behind oh, yeah. behind getting people to try it. Right. And there's, I would guess there's, I mean, I don't think I went into mead with any really preconceptions. There's probably a lot of just people have in their mind what it is. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Ren Fair is is a huge place. People try me for the first time and it's something that 
it's good in the context of Ren Faire because like you're there, you know, it's it's whatever. Like every yeah. beer tastes better at a baseball game. Yeah, you you're know? walking around with a, a, a big horn. huge, uh, yeah, a horn and yeah. a big slab of meat or something. Yeah, <laughs> like one in Rome, you <laughs> yeah. know. That it and and obviously mead like that has its place, but for something like to sit down and actually enjoy, once you start thinking about what you're drinking you know as people did with the craft beer movement you're sort of like i want something better and if if i remember correctly yours is it's drier right that's what makes it different um it the elemental one is going to be drier the the orchid cellar sort of classic brand is going to be uh sweeter higher alcohol higher acidity so everything within good balance um yeah, it's 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 kind of a trip to try. So when most people think of like classic historical mead, I think Orchid Cellar is a little bit closer. Okay. Whereas Elemental is a, a a good sort of like modern take on mead that's easier to get into. That's why we got rid of all the proprietary names. Just put literally lemon and vanilla right on the front, just yeah, so it's as approachable as hell. Yeah, I mean, because like literally, it gets lemon, vanilla, honey, water. Yeah. So I don't. Um... I don't know what I was expecting it to taste like, but mm-hmm. it, it's not what I was expecting it to taste like. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a little, I think it's, a little closer to beer and cider. Yeah, that's yeah. What, and that's what I think because um, it's been so long since I've had mead. Yeah, so I feel like we should have started with the regular mead. So would have. <laughs> Well, but this is so good. I, I, I brought <laughs> but I'm the. I'm sure uh, that's so good too. It is. <laughs> yeah, I brought the ghost pepper one, so that that might be you want to keep that towards <laughs> the end. <laughs> but you know, to each their own. Um. But the, I love the packaging of them because I, I like nice clean. Unless you're going like over the top art, right? I like just nice clean packaging, and that checks that box. Um, yeah. And as you said, there is no ambiguity of what the flavor is. That was the idea. Is <laughs> to make it, yeah, because we're the type of people that like if we get someone to taste what we make, um, we do really well with them. Like we, we have, you know, really great response to what we're making. But if it's sitting on a shelf, it's a little intimidating. And we wanted to kind of lower that bar to make it a little more approachable. Um, and for the first time, we hired a design company and a marketing company to help us out a little bit with that. Um, Works & Co. out of uh, Hagerstown did a great job. Okay. And um, yeah, just fun, weird, unique packaging. That's what we're about. Should have went with this place down in Gainesville, Florida. Uh-huh. That's really good with logo design. Oh yeah, is that uh... <laughs> the, the ones that did the Frederick logo? Oh nice. It's <laughs> um, yeah we we paid uh, what was it forty nine thousand yeah. dollars? We paid that exact amount for our logo. Too. <laughs> um, so let's take another. Uh, we're gonna take one more quick. Bro- well, actually, this, this there will be another one. But we're gonna take a real quick <laughs> sponsor break. Cool, cool. Um, and then I think uh, this is a good time like, just to tell the story of Elemental. Yeah. Um, so we gave a little bit of the Orchid Cellar story. Let's dive into what Elemental is. The Uncapped Podcast is brought to you by District East. A lot of Friday and Saturday afternoons, you'll find me at District East for their weekly beer tastings. District East is part of the local beer community, and they get limited releases and exclusive beers that are hard to find anyplace else. This is why I chose District East for the release of my collaboration beers. One of my favorite things to do at District East is building a custom six-pack. With over 900 beers on their shelves and new beers every week, District East is a great place to find beers I love and to discover new and hard-to-find ones. They also have eight beers on tap for Crowler and Growler fills, and they have kegs to go. 
District East is located on North East Street in Frederick, in the same shopping center as Family Mill and Rockwell Brewery. You can find today's beer lists on the District East Facebook page or at www.districteast.beer. All right, so Orchid Cellar had been around for eight and a half years, mm-hmm. or did it take longer for this to develop? Eight and a half years, okay. you got it. Look at that. I, <laughs> So whenever I try to recall something from memory, I'm always wrong or something I should know when I'm just making a shot in the dark guess. Got it. Ready, fire, aim. Uh, um, so you decided there's a hole in our product line. Right. Um, and I'll just let you tell the story instead of try, right. c- trying to continue to guess what happened. Well, there's a whole lot of factors at play. We actually already made um, – more or less the exact same product and we put them in champagne bottles under okay. the orchid cellar name and they're called uh mave melazine uh, medusa and dahlia uh sort of the goddesses um and we had wonderful artwork on them they're really pretty you know open them up great thing to enjoy with people but there were some problems um they sold super well they're really difficult to fill and um if you've been to a brewery that has a bottling line you know Bottle bombs happen. Yeah. Um, and when you're smaller like us and you got to hand fill them, bottle bombs are a lot less fun. <laughs> so, and of course, um, champagne bottles are a lot thicker. So when it happens, it's truly awful. So everyone has to wear like full like wood turners, face masks, uh, like thick smocks. And sometimes it happens two hours after you fill the bottle. Oh, wow. So um, that started happening. It's, it happened from the beginning. Um, tariffs on the glass bottles started happening and we knew I think it was like sometime just in the last few weeks those tariffs went from 25 to 40 percent oh wow so it's yeah it's going to start hitting your alcohol this holiday season and I think people are going to be really mad see um, uh, McClintock doesn't care and they're I don't know if they're happy I'm not going to put words in their mouth, <laughs> but they've always sourced um, American made bottles so right it, so which you can do to... with liquor bottles uh, and I think you can do somewhat with beer bottles too. Um, wine-ish bottles or at least more unique packaging. You know, you can, you can do Italy, France, uh, China, a little bit in Mexico. We get our bottles from Canada. Um, but the whole NAFTA redo, I'm not sure where yeah. it's at at the moment, but I, I don't think it's quite ratified. <laughs> so we're just kind of stuck in this unfortunate limbo. And every time I call up our, our company and they're just like, yeah, so... Last time we tacked on this amount, this time, you know, it's another 20% higher. And I'm like, great. Um, And it just got to the point where we were just like, all right, there's got to be a better way. Um, And we found these bottles, um, which are are just wonderful. Uh, They're all, I believe, made in Kentucky from uh, uh, American aluminum, which is really awesome. Uh, no tariff issue whatsoever. Because yeah, I was going to say, isn't there? Because that's a, a craft beer problem. Is right. That most cans aren't made in the U.S. and so the, there's a huge uh, problem with aluminum oh, can sure. tariffs. But you, and every you penny matters. That. Yeah, we, <laughs> we got that. It was uh, uh, Anheuser just lost their exclusive patent on aluminum bottles. So, oh, okay. So I didn't. I, I was wondering why they were the only ones with aluminum. Right. Then they had a alu- they had an exclusive sense. patent. I think Ball Jar had like a they had like that special kind of like twist top one. Yeah. Not the prettiest thing in the world to us, and also it requires a lot of proprietary components. We wanted something that was a little more approachable, like a beer bottle, just happening made from aluminum. Um, no bottle bombs anymore. 
when a pallet shows up, two people can just lift it because it's about 110 pounds. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, one drops off the side of the counter. Oops, whatever. Scratch and dent sale. Yeah. <laughs> um, everything just got so much easier uh, and the price just plummeted. Um, so it's it's only a tad bit more expensive than a can. And uh, I mean, you probably know, like when you fill cans, you got to kind of overfill them to get all of the oxygen yeah. out and then seal them up. And which is totally fine with beer, totally fine with cider, a lot of different things. Uh, but with honey, if it's cold and you are, you know, disposing that stuff in like floor drains or anything like that, it can congeal in the drains oh. and you can have some serious plumbing problems. You do not want to overfill. Don't want to <laughs> do that. And also it's just, it's a little wasteful for yeah. a more expensive product. Yeah. Um, so we are looking for a way to kind of figure that out because we're already set up to bottle rather than can. And we found a really nice bottle line um, and... These just worked so wonderfully for us. And then I just wanted to go as simple as possible. Like there's nothing more frustrating than when you get like a mixed pack of a mixed case of beer and you open up the cardboard case pack and you take out all the six packs and then you take each one out of all the six pack and you're left with like so much extra fluff that you didn't need. Um, We essentially like this is the only thing that you're not actually using as a container. Um, and and what he was pointing to is that uh, it's almost like the, the snap packs on the top of uh, yeah, same of company cans of okay, it's yeah, in that. pack deck. So it's um, which is that now they're under fire for the weird recyclability of, <laughs> of right. their plastic, but um, it is recyclable, but not n- normally recyclable. But yeah. they'll recycle it for you. It's a so we're actually working on a program where we'll pay people to bring these back, like a deposit okay. program, because uh, these you know outside of, I mean we've taken bottles in and out you know hundreds of times Mm -hmm. in the same four pack holder and they get like a tiny little scrape on the side of them and that's it so we're like there's no reason not to reuse these yeah um so we're working on some way of sort of managing that because you know launching a new brand and handling that at the same time is lots lots of fun get that uh ironed out first yeah no it's uh (laughs) two steps forward one step back (laughs) but yeah the idea being when you're sort of done enjoying the product uh you know there's minimal waste left over uh and then of course the last part of it was um glass just isn't really recycled the way it once was um i don't believe i I could be wrong with this but we've heard from a few of our really close club members that glass isn't even being recycled in most cases in frederick county anymore it's possible because i definitely at one time learned that it costs more to recycle glass than it does to make it new. Right. And it's actually, there was, there's more harm done to the environment with recycling glass than there is to just produce it fresh. That hurts. That aluminum is one of the few things that... Um, endlessly recyclable. Yeah, endlessly recyclable and it's financially feasible mm-hmm. to recycle it. Yeah, and, and there's nothing worse than at the end of the day you have... I mean, if you had 200 of these bottles in your recycling bin, oh my goodness, it's so freaking heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas the aluminum, like, I mean, we had a big release last weekend and, um, you know, two giant cans of it. And, uh, yeah, I think it was maybe 20 pounds. That's why I know even like my home recycle bin is infinitely lighter now that almost all craft beer is is comes in cans yeah. instead of bottles. It's really nice. Yeah, you never have to worry about you know something falling off the side of the counter. It's just 
don't be but the thing is it's still nice to drink out of a bottle you know you don't have like the slurping it's it's just a little more comfortable i think than a can um now obviously we're all drinking out of glasses too but in the off chance you're going to the beach or something like that there's one more extra thing you, know, you can't take glass to a beach yeah yeah um and so great kids toys when you're done too once yeah, the, see, rinse them yeah you know oh, you add a little flavor to their toy <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> i am not uh endorsing that the so you you do these yourself we do the, okay yeah I, I had assumed that you were like contract contracting that so that's no we're big fans of controlling everything ourselves yeah. partially because no one else really knows how to deal with a product that's so off the beaten path yeah. so like um I, yeah, I mean, uh, oxygen management to carbonation, everything is a little bit different. So if you ask, I mean, some of the most seasoned brewers how to make a mead like this, they'll kind of give you this sort of like cockeyed look of like, I'd have to get back to you on that. And it's not that, you know, they're not, you know, well-seasoned veterans of like fermenting. It's just that it's this different. is not an everyday thing. Yeah. So we have, we know the theory behind it because of the, you know, the Polish background and the the biochem background, but also we've just been doing it for so long. So we know where the pitfalls are that if you look online, they're not printed anywhere. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like so the, there's not this huge community of mead makers that's like, uh, you know, giving away all the secrets and there's not like this huge lineage of like winemaker, you know, like mead makers, like there are winemakers where it's, you know, oh, to make good wine, you sort of have to follow these steps and hope for this type of, you know, soil structure and, and, and weather. Um, mead is just really, it's the oldest, but it's also the sort of the biggest frontier that hasn't been explored. So is it, um, is it the same as the craft beer community though, that if you were to reach out to another meadery that they'll welcome you with open arms and oh, help yeah. you as much as they possibly can? Or oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like we're friends with James at Charm City Meadworks, um, Ken at, uh, Maryland Meadworks. Uh, we hear, in fact, actually there's, uh, someone out of, uh, Hartford County that's coming out to visit us to talk about licensing and structure and, and production and all that kind of stuff we're always happy to help you know it's you know rising tide rises all ships that's the way we look at it so yeah i'll say it a million times over and over again the alcohol industry is the weirdest it's strange industry in the world I, how yeah you want a meter to open <laughs> yeah. across the street yeah how that's, com that's how so com strange how competitive yet collaborative it is <laughs> i i cannot tell you the number of times that after doing like a tasting with someone they're like oh, okay cool like you know we're coming up from dc or out you know North, northern virginia or baltimore or something like that and we just came up to sort of explore Frederick county for the day and i'm like okay great and like they're taking a few bottles home you know they're enjoying themselves having a glass or two while they're there and i'm just handling that little you know um you know craft beverage uh handout that Frederick county makes for us and not only are they floored at the number of options and how varied they are and how unique they are, but they're floored that I'm the one telling them about it. Yeah. And they're like, what are you getting out of this? I'm like, because I'm assuming that all of our friends are doing the same thing. Yeah. And we all just keep, you know, doing that over and over again. It's 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 advertising just by being a decent human being. It's pretty What's, awesome. I mean, like in downtown Frederick, all the breweries recommend people to go to each other. It's, it's, yeah, it's so weird. Delightfully dangerous. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to take one last sponsor break. And I want to learn more about exactly how meat is made because I, I don't think I have a 
strong understanding of how it is. All right. I'll try to flub I mean, my way through that. <laughs> well, I mean, you can really tell me anything you want, <laughs> and I'm just going to say, hmm, that's interesting. Gotcha. So All right. Just make it. All right. I'll think that up. <laughs> I'm excited to announce our newest sponsor, Vanish Farmwoods Brewery. Vanish is a brewery and entertainment complex located on a 62-acre hops and apple farm in Luckett's, Virginia, just 20 minutes from Frederick, Maryland and Leesburg, Virginia. With over 20 beers on tap, a selection of wines and ciders, along with multiple food options, there is something for everyone. Vanish has live music on Saturdays and Sundays and a wide variety of special events. Go to VanishBeer.com for information on everything they have to offer. Although, actually, before um, you make up the story of how Mead's made, <laughs> is is this um, this being the elemental line, yeah. um, is this force carbonated or it is it natural carbonation? Yeah, we do force carbon. Okay. Yeah, it's it's that would be the only way to sort of make a consistent product that's stable. Okay. Yeah, we've, we've had a few others that have come and gone that have tried. <laughs> um, a, you know, more avant-garde process, and uh, it has not worked out well. Are there? Um, I mean, I, like, I know Charm City does, mm-hmm. but are are there many other places that are doing uh, carbonated mead? Is that a fairly common thing now, or is it typically? Um, I think the smaller meaderies are doing non-carbonated. One because you have the the excise tax. Two because it's more equipment, more sort of knowledge. And also, typically, I know this seems kind of counterintuitive, but typically, non-carbonated can command a higher price tag because it's meant it's more so in the wine realm. Where even, even though it's the same, I, same it's a, yeah. It, human beings are weird. It's, <laughs> it's just yeah. the, the mental <laughs> blocks that we build in I get in it. our heads. Yeah, but like. I mean, you see people throwing back beer all the time. How yeah. many times do you see people like throwing back a full glass of wine? It, it's it's more of a joke and a show of like, oh, you're having a rough day, or someone said something weird, you know. Uh, Are you saying my wife has a problem? <laughs> <laughs> I would never say that. I would never say that. <laughs> but I think that's part of it. It's just that it's it's less sort of uh, to use an industry term, crushable. Yeah. The, well, and it is much stronger than. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even like the, you know, the seven or eight percent meads that are that are still I mean, we see people commanding like twenty five dollar price tags for uh, a twelve point six ounce bottle, which is, you know, three seventy five milliliter. That's a lot. Yeah. And it sells. Huh. Yeah. It, I it's a it's a more delicate process that requires a lot more work, sometimes more age. And also, you know, honey is always going to be more expensive than grain day one. Yeah. yeah. But the cool thing is you can actually use a local um, main ingredient, whereas that's a bit tougher for to do that with every beer you make. There's just not that much available in, in Maryland. Um, by the time this episode comes out, there still may be some left, uh, but that's how much the bottles of this whiskey are going to cost also. <coughs> 25 From, Yeah. Well, they're 375s. Not bad. Good job, Brady. And he said, I think. So scratch that. They may cost that. <laughs> well, I can edit it yeah. out if, if they it's, end up not. Well, because it's going to be, it's part of their um, innovation series. Yeah, yeah. Like all I the cordials you. and things that they're yeah, doing. No. So, and I think they keep them all priced the same. So that's. That makes sense. All right, cool. Gotcha. $15, right, Tyler? <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I, yeah, I think they're free. <laughs> it's. I, I would just I would just like to throw this out. So I've known I've known Tyler at, at McClintock for a very long time, and every time 
every time I come across someone that is interested in what they're doing, I always like to tell this story because we used to play on a soccer team together uh, in elementary and middle and high school. Oh, wow. And I want to say it was middle school, if I'm not mistaken, maybe like sixth, seventh grade, something in that realm. Um, Tyler used to constantly get in trouble for like climbing on things because he was just kind of a, <laughs> a, a crazy child. And one of the things that he, he did is he climbed on like the big, you know, uh, high school goal, like the one that's, you know, uh, the field goal, uh, or not, the, the like the big goal. soccer goal. <laughs> yeah. And at one point, um, our drill sergeant coach, I'm not joking. He was a drill sergeant. <laughs> caught him when he was climbing like on the corner where like the bolts are where like it kind of holds everything together and tyler fell off and the bolt grabbed his underwear as he fell off <laughs> and it proceeded to you know just give him the worst wedgie in the history of the world and i don't think i've laughed harder um yeah pretty much since then yeah i don't feel like we've ever had a better story told on this podcast i'm sure he hates that and i can't <laughs> wait till the i'm i'm definitely going to isolate the audio of this and post it by itself <laughs> <laughs> and i can't wait till the next time i see him now. it's yeah i th- <laughs> i think i've i've gotten a few texts uh, or Will you know you twitter messages from him just be like all right that's enough that's enough no i'm going to keep throwing it out there tyler well, have you ever actually? I'll I'll show it to you afterwards. I don't think he wants me talking about it while we're recording. Okay. Um, so that you can embarrass Braden too. Uh, so. Oh, we'll, good. <laughs> keep it fair. We'll um, but let's get back to mead. Yes. Um, so how how do I make mead? Um, so at the simplest what level, you take honey, you dilute it in water, and you pitch yeast. So first, you have to convince some bees to make honey. Right. Um. Sometimes when we get some people that are a little uh, more gullible, we'll tell them that we squeeze each bee to get the honey <laughs> out. Um, and, the, and the real trick is you got to squeeze them enough to get the honey out, but not enough that you kill them. Um, but the real difficult thing, uh, and at this point, you know, they're sort of leaning, leaning up in, in the chair, my... is how do you make sure you don't get the same bee twice? And they're <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then all of their friends at this point have abandoned them. You know, they <laughs> just, I don't want to be this seen guy. with this person. You know, we're done. Um so we actually have uh, an employee that like has I I got to make him a shirt that says something like we squeeze because we care, <laughs> nice. you know, squeezing <laughs> since 2009. Have you seen the current Twitter mean meme? I'm going to teach like something like I'm going to tell my kids. Yes. Or something like, yeah. Like, it's, it's I'm going to tell my kids is how yeah. meat is made. Yeah. I'm I, going I to like go that. home and tell my kids. <laughs> Absolutely. Why are the bees suffering, daddy? Well, you see, you squeeze them too it's hard. It's really stressful <laughs> to it's, make. Yeah. Goodness. Could you imagine? Oh. Um, my, my, I definitely, my <laughs> oldest will instantly declare that she's not going to eat honey anymore then. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, she, she experimented for being a vegetarian for like two weeks because she, right. she, she felt bad for animals. Right. And then we were at a restaurant and the desire for a hamburger took over. You smell something. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> it's yeah. And she gave up. It's well, I mean, I, I admire her moxie. Yeah. Just, I mean, that's that's a big life change for for believing. In. She lasted two weeks. Heck and, yeah. and it's more than most adults do. <laughs> and the funny thing is, she, like she would she would tell people like when we were at places or something like she was just a vegetarian her whole life. Like someone would be offered to her. And she's like, I'm sorry, I don't eat meat. Right, 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 right. Yeah. That's that's like your friends from high be school. Like, what that... about that steak you had last night? Nora? Yeah. <laughs> That's like your friends from high school that that moved to New York at like twenty, and then uh, they're like, oh, "No, I'm from New York." And yeah. you're like, "How long have you been here? Six months?" <laughs> yeah. 
Um, All right, so you yeah. squeeze the honey out you of squeeze the, the honey bees. out of the bee, um, or or you call up a, a nice apiary and and say you know I want somewhere between twenty and twenty thousand pounds, and uh, yeah, you, you the biggest the biggest thing uh, the biggest problems you have with mead is basically um, uh, finding the right yeast. That's a big thing because a lot you know yeast like certain parameters. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one thing that honey lacks that would really help with fermentation is acidity. Uh, most honey isn't isn't very acidic, so a lot of times you need something to give it that acidity. So if you notice, almost every single flavor that we make has a uh, as an acid in it, whether it's the lemon, the strawberry, the cider, or the grapefruit. That kind of like gives us exactly what we need, so we don't have to add like an artificial citric acid. Okay, it's already in the flavor, so, so that gets the pH exactly to the point for the yeast to thrive. So that starts the process. Um, you know what yeast you use is going to help determine you know your final output, your sweetness, like all of your flavor characteristics. Um, but unlike you know uh, wine or beer, there's really only like three or four specific mead yeasts on the market. So a lot of times you have people using like a champagne yeast or a white wine yeast or an ale yeast and kind of making it work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean that's really all over the place. And then once you're done with that, you know you can like with the elementals, you can you know keep them nice and light, carb them, bottle them, easy peasy. Uh, with the orchid cellar ones, we'll either age it for 12 months in stainless or uh, 12 to 36 months in like French oak barrels, um, and that'll determine whether or not you want you know like typically the fruity flavors, stainless, neutral, keep it simple, keep it crisp. Uh, whereas the more earthy flavors like vanilla and cinnamon and ginger, you want more of that uh, you know that kind of earthy like toasted nuttiness, and uh, that's where the oak comes in. So you um you guys purchase all of your honey. Yeah. Of, okay. We do have some hives on site, but I mean it's to the point that like uh, to give you an idea, if a if an apiary calls us and they sell by the pound, we we can't work with them. Like we have to sell by the ton. Oh wow. Yeah. So I mean it it's to the point where like to have you know four or five tons just rolling down to the production facility is just a normal day. How much strawberry is used in this? Um, the, straw, the strawberry elemental. So I don't know the exact uh, the exact weight, but it was a lot. A lot. In the second I popped the cap, it was like, well, yeah, there's yeah. strawberry. Well, <laughs> we found a few things. The, the lo- a lot of local farms around us they weren't selling their seconds. Like the like oh, the sort of the so ugly ones, super ripe. Right. So we have on on the, on the orchid seller Instagram. There's a picture of a, like a normal, good, dark in season local strawberry. This is the best one. There, there you I, go. Th- this is it's, it's our most popular. I well, I love strawberry, um, anything. Yeah. But it's so hard to get that flavor, and like some some places cheat and. You adjuncts use and, and extracts and stuff yeah. but you can taste instantly oh that sure that's what it is but or this is... or non-local berries if it's not in season and fresh it totally makes a difference yeah this 100 percent tastes yeah. like like a super right yeah. strawberry i love that it smells like strawberry jam when you open it yeah. when you taste it it's a bit lighter uh yeah on our, on our uh our instagram we have like a normal strawberry and then we have one that look, kind of looks like an everlasting gobstopper <laughs> and they were just like chucking that to the cows 
Uh-huh. And so we were like, all right, let's work this out. Like, we'll buy this off of you for a discount. Yeah. Because to you, it's essentially worth nothing. And to us, it's worth a ton. We're just going to smash it, take off the top, and ferment it. So all I care about is flavor and color. Um, and then we just filled up the truck. And then also, how is this not pink? Um, the the yeast that we use, I believe it's the yeast that we the use. That's the culprit. It doesn't allow a lot of that to come through okay um we've considered like using something else to kind of make that happen but the whole point of elemental is like kind of back to basics well yeah i mean i said that more in a way of like i can't believe it's not because there's so much strawberry flavor in it absolutely Um, i'm gonna have some of that with you yeah this one is so good yeah this is the one that um when we made this under uh under the name dahlia uh, I think it sold out in three days. So we've made, I think it's like 80 times as much, something ridiculous like that. I mean, it's so we're just hoping to have it for <laughs> most of the year. Yeah. But yeah, it's, um, I mean, you know, someone like uh, Charm City Meadworks, obviously they have access to tons of space for, you know, warehouse, things like that. For us, we're in a more sort of agricultural location. So while we don't have that and, you know, we have to build on the side of the hill and all that kind of stuff, um, we do have access to farms. So we have all these farms right in our backyard, and we were just thinking, you know, why not use them? So yeah. we go up to, you know, Boonesboro, Smithsburg, Hagerstown, and just, you know, anybody that's just like, hey, you know, I got Hawaiian ginger growing in my greenhouse. What? Taste it? Okay, we got to use that. I don't <laughs> care. Like, we're just going to buy it and figure it out later. So, I mean, and strawberry is probably the best example of that oh god (laughs) now if i remember correctly yeah honey tastes very different depending on where the bees are pollinating right okay yeah we nailed it right you got it (laughs) um yeah so basically you know bees forage uh nectar from um, from flowers um and then they bring it back and sort of regurgitate it from a from a second stomach um and then they add enzymes to it so that it uh it goes through some sort of change that i don't quite understand and then they actually flap their wings over top of it to essentially uh evaporate the water and that's what keeps it stable because otherwise it could possibly ferment in there and spoil so to speak yeah um and uh yeah so basically we what happens if you squeeze the bee before it goes into the second stomach uh so just unusable. I at that point, I think the bee just gets a little bit of a sugar rush. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not really sure. It's that's, yeah. I haven't gone that you far in the joke. Just... <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, usually by that point, if we're going that far into the joke, it it feels mean to yeah. continue that long, <laughs> like just to mess with someone for that. Usually, <laughs> like about thirty to forty five seconds, you go okay. I have to yeah. let them in on the jokes; so they don't feel too yeah. bad. This person's never going to buy anything if I no, get it. No, it's they're going to burn down the building. That's what they're going to do. This is a one star Yelp review. Yeah, <laughs> not my style. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's um, w- w- there's you can buy tons of different honey. The way we look at it is this, and uh, and this isn't a universal opinion, but this is this is our opinion is that we buy two types of honey and that's clover and wildflower okay wildflower is kind of the catch-all it's you know we have bees they go everywhere and there's blooms everywhere we don't know what they're doing out exactly there. it's 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 kind of like the you know hey they, they just go to unmanaged areas yeah. 
And Clover's the other kind of like semi-managed, semi-unmanaged area because it's a lot of like early blooms. White Dutch clover is everywhere. Okay. Uh, and then if you go a little further north, I think it's north, uh, you got red clover everywhere. Both taste great. Different, slightly different flavors depending on where they come from, but they're non-monocultures. Whereas if you get, say, avocado honey, sounds great. Some dude in a man bun probably tried to sell it to you at one point, <laughs> you know, $60 a, a jar or something like that. And essentially, uh, we, it, a monoculture is never a good thing for a bee. It's one source of food. It's not a variety of food, and it's hardly ever going to be organic. So they're going to spray while the bees are pollinating. And essentially, at that point, the bees aren't the the thing that the farmer or whoever is using that that field really cares about it's the crop that they care about and the bees are sort of disposable employees so to speak okay so rather than buying from pollinators we like to buy from apiaries if that okay. makes sense uh, and apiaries don't typically set up next to you know 40 acres of raspberries they set up next to a field that is essentially empty and from human beings. Okay. Yeah. That um, makes sense. So it's sort of a way of, you know, we realize that we have a whole lot of power when it comes to how much we buy. So we can use that power for good to help the bee population, or we could just use that power to make money. Um, and yeah, we could save a few bucks here and there on buying cheaper honey, but we'd rather be able to sleep at night. Does, uh, does the quality of the mead change a lot depending on the that difference in quality of honey not really um with elemental the lighter meads it's a little more you know sort of like a vintage product where like each year you're going to have a bit more different change mm -hmm. but with orchid cellar we're sort of aging out that slight subtle okay. difference yeah um plus what we do so if you were cheap it, oh yeah you wouldn't people wouldn't know so it, um probably not i mean I'll say this: We have some people that are like, I don't know if they're super tasters or what, but like they'll be they'll be super frank with us and be like, "Last batch, killer. This batch, I'm gonna burn it." And I'm like, "Whoa!" <laughs> um, and then like we come back out the next week and I'll send them a bottle and be like, "All right, I need you to tell me what you think." And uh, they're like, "All right, no, this one gets the stamp of approval." I'm like, Whew, all "I think right. they're making it up." I don't. <laughs> I don't know that they 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 say it with so much confidence that yeah. But, and they're and they're such nice people. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. yeah. But um, it, you got to be careful because uh, honey, I believe, is the most faked food product nowadays uh, in the world. So that was something I was surprised to learn. Also, yeah. I didn't realize that everything labeled as and looks like a jar of honey is not actually honey. Right. Well, if you look at like the the jar I brought you, like it's already starting to crystallize. It's already starting to sort of look a little bit more like a farm product rather than like a perfect yeah. supermarket product. Uh, and that's a good thing. So essentially it's crystallizing. All it's doing is it's a little bit of the water evaporated. So it became hard. That's all. It's actually a little easier to spread and work with at that point. Um, but I mean, I think there was like the Netflix documentary series. Rotten has like the, the, the honey trade on there. Like oh, one of their I'll little like short ones. It's pretty good. It's depressing as hell as most documentaries are. Yeah. Um, but basically, you know, they said, you know, this is what, the demand for honey is doing and this is what you know the bee population is doing how are we making up that difference yeah, and right. essentially they're making it up by using rice syrup soy syrup corn syrup all that kind of People stuff suck they do <laughs> so we get like honey samples sent to us and like they're like oh yeah this is gonna be like a buck 25 a pound and i'm like 
where is it coming from? Show me the papers. Yeah. We're going to send it to a lab. And then as soon as you say we're going to send it to a lab, they don't really ever respond ever again. <laughs> yeah, because they, they just want to make a quick buck. Yeah. And they know that you're going to buy, if it's good, they'll, you'll buy 20,000 pounds, um, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so I much prefer to buy honey from places where I can see the beehives. Do you do you know um, what it is about the the sugar and honey that makes it special for making mead, or is that too in the weeds of mead making? I'm sh- I'm sure if my mead maker is listening to this, he's probably yelling at yeah. his at his you iPhone. Idiot, it's so obvious. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, obviously, it's a complex sugar source, you yeah. know, uh, glucose, fructose, sucrose. But um, beyond that. Man, you're out of my wheelhouse. I, w- I wasn't expecting. I just that's cool. in my head. I know. So I could have made up something. But, you yeah. could have, yeah. <laughs> then you, but then you would probably got even more yelled at by. <laughs> it depends on how good I sold it. Yeah. You know, it's sometimes you just got to say it with confidence, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, completely unrelated to anything we're talking about, oh, other shit. than you brought up Netflix. Did you happen to watch the one about the great uh, maple syrup heist? And I haven't. It's no. amazing. Is They're, that unrotten as well? No, is that a different it's, one. It's um. It's one of the ones that's about like crimes. I can't remember. It's a, but it's a like that same vein as okay. Rotten, where it, there's a a series. Each episode has its own topic, right? Right. Uh, loosely related to all the other ones. It's a bunch and of it, pissed off Vermonters. No, no, it's a Canadian one. Oh, so it, okay. Like it's, I can't remember what. Maybe it's Toronto. I don't know. There's some place. It's really strict about. Yeah. Maple you syrup. You don't mess with Canadians' and, maple syrup. And. It's like a almost mafia type control <laughs> over the maple syrup market there. Right. Yeah. And someone broke into the the maple syrup reserve. Yes, there is a reserve, just right. like oil. Of course. Yeah. And stole like millions of dollars worth of. It's an amazing documentary. My goodness. I. You know. You. He- and then you go and put it on some pancakes. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, this is good. You know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, as as consumers, I feel like sometimes we have no idea. Yeah. That's. I, the stories that I learned once I entered the wine industry about like, you know, how like some wines are made, like they, like they literally put like aging statements, but it's, it's not the actual age. It's the time it takes to get from California to the East coast and they call it highway aged. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Or like, you know, how, you know, not all wines are vegetarian because sometimes if you got a harvester birds snakes whatever's there they just it all goes together that's why you should buy local wine (laughs) it's it's almost always hand-picked because we don't have that much money wow yeah well and i I would say definitely buy black ankle wine because um i I had sarah oh yeah last week love them and I definitely from talking to her, I could say with certainty there aren't any snakes or birds in no. their wine with how it's, much care oh, yeah. she talks about with, with that, that they take. Oh, their, yeah. Their I mean, you have to hand harvest. You have to. I mean, I, I don't know what those harvesters cost, but I imagine it's more than, than any house I'll ever live in, yeah. I'll put it that way. <laughs> but, um, I mean, we've had times where, like, you know, the team is out, you know, going through our vineyard and they just come back with like a giant robin's egg, a robin's nest full of eggs. Oh, and wow. they're just like, this is just in the middle of a whole bunch of grape clusters. And you would have never known it unless you were, you know, digging Dude, into yeah. the vines that grow, you know, a foot a week. That could that could have been in the wine. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's gross. Yeah, right. Calcium. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
so but you're sca- scaling back on wine is that is it just that the mead has become so it is it's sort of like um uh to use my favorite ron Juan swanson quote rather than <laughs> uh half-assing two things we're gonna whole ass one thing um <laughs> You know, we have a passion for wine and we got a good spot for wine, um, but it's almost you, you get torn in two different directions yeah. and it requires, you know, it requires a lot of different things. It requires different setups from top to bottom. And the other part of it is um, when we were making wine, we had enough room. We, you know, our mead production was fairly small. Yeah. Um, we're to the point now where, like, we used to always joke between myself and the mead maker, if the stock room is full he's winning and if the stock room is empty i'm winning uh we're at historic lows for everything that we make at this point and uh i think it's partially because our bottles look really really nice yeah um and obviously everything tastes good too but he is about to have a baby and he is very stressed and i love <laughs> i love it so much because it's finally the pressure is off me to kind of grow everything and yeah. we've had such good reception from everybody um yeah <laughs> So is um is Elemental in stores or is it Yeah, only- we just started to hit okay. stores. Um we're uh pushing it in Virginia probably in the next week or two. Nice. Um I mean as soon as that final approval comes through. And um yeah, I'm sure DC won't be far after. Um I, w- I wonder if this packaging, the aluminum bottles is going to take off more that that patents up or if I don't know. It's it- I mean, I don't think it will for beer because it's just... It's too hard to fill bottles. I think that's a big thing for for a lot of breweries. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of of people don't want to mess with bottles. And the bottling lines are typically a lot more expensive than a canning line. Right. We were really lucky. We found a company called Fillmore Packaging, um, like F-I-L-L-M-O-R-E, I I believe. Um, And um, they have like... It it basically looks like that... um, that like extract that a lot of engineers use and you can just sort of slide anything you want to it and tighten a nut. And they basically just put that together. And when we first saw it, we were like, okay, like how does that work? Saw a video and bam, it works super well. It's reasonably priced. And like you could fit it in the backseat of a Jeep. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's really, really good. And it, um, oh my goodness. It, the, the, the pace of what we used to do, the champagne bottles was embarrassing compared to what we're doing now. Um, and one person can operate it. Two people can operate and sort of like stack and manage. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it makes a huge difference, but it it always drove us crazy. Like, I mean, it's, uh, uh, our production area is super, super clean. And, uh, anytime you, uh, you know, you're canning something like that, there's just such a mess everywhere. And that drove us a little nuts. So bottling was a, a nice way around that. Everything's sort of counter-pressured and sealed inside. There's never a drip on the floor unless you've really messed up. Yeah, and I <clears throat> I feel like and maybe the, the speed, the volume, uh, yeah, what volume are you doing these? So those are 12 ounce, um, <clears throat> which we're allowed to do because it's just under 7%. Okay. Because, you know, the federal government considers this wine. Um, so wine, you have to have like standard fills, like 375, 750, you know, Magnum. Um, but, uh, once you're below seven, you know, more or less all bets are off, assuming you follow like some reasonable guidelines. And, uh, so that helps us a lot because like, you know, if you've ever had like wine in cans, 
like it's a cool idea but the problem is you have to go with these cans that are so much more expensive because it's sort of a non-standard fill okay and maybe once we sort of i think it's like like 300 i guess yeah 375 milliliters or 250 so it's a kind of an odd size um and maybe as we get more wineries doing that it'll get a little bit cheaper with scale but it's a little rough at the moment so that those 12 ounce cans are just pennies on the dollar compared to everything else um but this i mean i don't know why they were they were selling them for such a nice price but they're really nice. The only downside to them is if you have like a can crusher, like we mounted one on the wall, but oh, it won't crush these. Squeeze the side. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's... it's like five times thicker than a can. I wonder. I guess it's just the the. Yeah, I wonder why they do that. I have no idea. <clears throat> Maybe the way they're extruded, or I'd, I want to watch a video on how these are made so bad now because I it's got to look cool, right? <laughs> I mean, it's if you've ever watched like how like cans are formed, it's it's a pretty amazing yeah. thing. So, um, but yeah, we, we found those and we have been looking all over the place. Um, I think the only, the only place that I have seen using these, uh, within recent memory is Iron City Brew out of Pittsburgh. Uh, and they had them for a while and I think they abandoned them or I haven't, it's no, I think I've seen them there. That, that and some Taiwanese beers. That that's beer about is it. so bad. Iron City. Yeah. Really? I don't know anything about it's it. It's awful. I grew up in Pittsburgh. Oh yeah. Iron City is just it's bad is it just like the standard sort of like sorry to say this natty bow offering yeah pretty yeah. much but worse yeah oh wow <laughs> yeah it's that's worse. saying something here we're gonna we're gonna take a real quick break for a technology check because i'm worried right now that this isn't being recorded because it looks like oh no wait it just sounds the head it has been recording all that time oh boy I feel less nervous now. All right, cool. <laughs> well no it was it had been stuck at 58 minutes for a while now Oh, boy. I hate computers. All right. We're good. Um, yeah. It, I, and then they also have, a, I think it's mango, like a mango Iron City. It's so that, that's the only two flavors? Well, they have Iron City, Icy Light, and then a mango one. Or is it mango? Man, I, I want to I I meet their marketing person and shake their hand. Well, they at one time had, like, they had to, like, hightail it out of the city because they owed a couple million dollars in back water bills or something oh like that <laughs> i love these these back these like back secrets of like the industry <laughs> oh my god no. you uh so how does um <laughs> the sales compare between the classic meads and the elemental type ones is this more mass market appeal than? i do think so i mean we'll have to let you know because they've, they've technically been out for a week all right, less than a week. Well, but you've had them like when they were under their old names, or is it right? Is, is it exactly the same as when they were under when um, they were in the champagne bottles under different names, or were they tweaked a little bit? To, they were this? tweaked a little bit. They okay. were they were higher alcohol, but same sort of flavor and ingredients. Um, the thing is, like per ounce, the price went down almost sixty percent when we went with this packaging. Okay. So that helped a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, I mean, I think that answers it right there. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, glass, just comparatively to aluminum, it's just not even a fair fight. And not to mention, like, paying for corks, paying for paper labels, paying all that kind of stuff. Like, we got um, we got a heat tunnel, uh, shrink labels. And I think the greatest thing <laughs> that our production team did is once we got the heat tunnel, they were like, oh, man, you're going to need this, you know. 
uh, this conveyor belt system. Like you're not getting out of here for less than like 70 grand. And like, that was like his pitch to me. And I was like, <laughs> all right, well now it's a challenge. So basically what we did is cause they're aluminum bottles. You don't have to worry about them falling over and breaking. So they come off the heat tunnels conveyor belt. They fall into a table and we put a block of wood underneath two of the table legs. It falls on the table and then rolls into <laughs> the bin that goes over to the filling station. Nice. Um, if you want to charge for the block of wood, it might have been a buck. Um, <laughs> and the table we already had. Uh, and I sent a picture to the salesman and I was like, eat that. <laughs> $70,000 safe. Like, Here, I'll, I'll sell these to you for forty grand. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's... Actually, no, we'll go 50%. Right. Yeah. (laughs) The the lack of ingenuity, man. Come on. Like, how dumb do you think we are? That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, obviously we had some, we had some uh, difficulties. Like we had to get custom made case trays that kind of sucked. Like I I got like the can standard one. And then I went to like, I think a white claw dealer and I was like, oh, good. They got skinny cans. It'd be perfect. And it was like a quarter inch too small. Um, so then we had to get custom ones. They Do you just want more of this before I yeah, finish sure. It. Give me a little. Well, that's all there was. I'll take it. But there's some serious upside to those bottles. Um, yeah, and they look cool. Yeah, that's uh, the idea. I think the the novelty of the bottle probably helps a lot. It it does. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but under elemental AL is underlined because we have that little chemistry oh, background. Look yeah. at that. So only the people that are looking for it. There's yeah. there's also there's something about um the the sheen of the aluminum here mm-hmm. that just begs to be touched. It's cool. Like like it has a good some, texture. Yeah, like there's just something very uh, appealing about touching that bottle. <laughs> so <laughs> it's weird. No, th- this is gonna sound much weirder. Um, Good, thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna let you off the hook. So, considering we just we just killed a bottle, you can you can do this now. But you know, typically when you drink from like a glass beer bottle, there's this like slipperiness on your lip. I'm so deep into this, I think about weird stuff like this. But there's this like slipperiness on your lip that you've kind of grown accustomed to, but it's a little strange. Whereas if you put like that strawberry that we just killed on your lip, there's like a slight texture, and it feels really cool. <laughs> <laughs> like. We literally, when we were like trying to figure out what type of um, uh, what type of labels to get, I wanted to touch every label because I said this isn't <laughs> like this bottle. People are gonna be yeah. holding it. It's got to feel good. Yeah. So at one point we were looking at like textured labels, um, but they were like twice as expensive. So yeah. Yeah. See, icy light pumped. <laughs> I hate that mango. so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I. How does that fit into their brand? Um, how. Well, you know, people like mango. Um, <laughs> That's it. And I, I'm sure that w- that was the selling point. <laughs> yeah. The kids today, they like the kids they today. Like. Yeah. That's blame the millennials. It has, work. it has all the refreshing taste of icy light. Um, oh no, wait, this is, oh no, there's icy light. And, oh, I'm wrong. They have two mangoes, icy light two mango mangoes. and pumped. That has the refreshing taste of icy light mango, but pumped up with eight uh, percent alcohol by volume, and it is some of the worst artificially flavored mango I've ever tasted in my life. I hate 
Did they distribute that in Maryland? No. Oh. oh, wait. No, 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 they do. Because I remember the last time the Steelers were in the Super Bowl, I, I went in to get some beer, and a guy got <laughs> off. They, well, they had a, they had gotten a bunch of it in. Um, <laughs> but the guy the guy got off the phone. He looks at me and goes, if I have one more person, call and ask me if I, if I, if I have Iron City in stock. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I feel like you should almost like just – get a few cases of that stick it in the corner <laughs> and then you know whenever you having someone new on you just chug Give a little them. bit of that and be like all right <laughs> all right now let's have your stuff yeah. it'll be fantastic i mean it's definitely it's a pittsburgh staple you know <sighs> if you go up to permani brothers in hagerstown they probably have icy light in iron city goodness you know but i highly recommend trying it do you remember um <laughs> I think it was Church Key in D.C. They wrote, like, a, a blog post about, like, local just for the sake of local. And it was, like, they're not going to buy, you know, beer, wine, cider, spirits, whatever it is, just because it's local. Like, it has to be good. Yeah. So it was, like, the crux of the article. Um, and while they definitely came off a little bit sort of, like, grumpy <laughs> grandpa. Yeah. But I, it's real. I, totally. Yeah. Totally. Like, you know, it's, it's you know, if, if you don't like a certain style of beer, like, you shouldn't, like, force yourself to drink it yeah. just because it's made down the street from you. But at the same time, like, if you're a little closer to 50-50, like, I definitely think you should give the poor suckers that are, you know, making a couple thousand dollars a year getting by. Um, yeah. It's also going to be fresh yeah. as hell. I mean, Iron City is, it's, you're right, it's the Natty Bow, although it's still independent. Okay. Um, and it is 100% blue-collar Pittsburgh through and through. Really? So it's yeah. actually made in Pittsburgh? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a suburb. Actually, it's made where Latro- in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, where um, Rolling Rock used to right. be made. It's right, made right. They moved to, to Pittsburgh Brewing Company, moved to that brewery. Well, that I, I at least that sort of gives them a little more credence than, you know, Natty Bo, Baltimore's beer, which is made in Milwaukee, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's... I, I mean, there's yeah, just so many things about, about you know, like Maryland that you're just like, oh, this is a Maryland thing. And you're just like, is it, though? Yeah. Or is it just good marketing and you've fallen for it? Next thing we know, we're going to find out that Old Bay's made in China. It has to be. <laughs> it's have you, ever, have you ever researched them, like, in their Wikipedia page? Uh, what are you going to ruin for me now? It's, my wife calls me Dan, the man who ruins shit. <laughs> um yeah, it's Danny Downer. A little bit. You, you know the show Adam Ruins Everything? Yeah. Yeah, that he's my hero. What's horrible about Old Bay? Uh so Old I don't know if I want to say it. No, I want to hear it now. So Old Bay was started uh by a Jewish oh. man. It was called the Old Bay Spice Company, and then McCormick bought him out, and then I I want to say somewhere in the realm of like the 20s or 30s, he was fired from the company for being Jewish. <laughs> A little too salty. So it's, yeah, <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. It was, now, obviously, it was a different time, right? It's it's like saying like you know the it, people that run it now. Yeah, you know, but still, it's just. I mean, I said that more of just like as a backhanded joke. Of like yeah, how everyone says that now, but like it it, it feels mean, bad. Maybe he was just a bad employee, though. Maybe it's it had possible. nothing to do with his. It's possible. Now, of course, McCormick denies this, and so this is all alleged. I should say. <laughs> yeah yeah actually yeah but it's definitely alleged yeah <laughs> there's no, um there's no slandering no. <laughs> but it's it's this is all on a wikipedia page if you look up the old spice or not old spice uh, old bay spice company i'll have to look that up yeah um 
it's right. and if you follow like the the citations you know down the rabbit hole a little bit it's it, it's a new york times investigative uh, uh, <laughs> it's there's just there's just nothing gold anymore you know it just uh, now i just hope that that's wrong and it is made in china <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be better because uh, <clears throat> yeah. i'm like most transplants i love old bay yeah but it seems because it seems like most people who are transplants in Maryland don't understand the appeal of it's old not in their blood. It. Yeah, <laughs> it's not in their blood, so they hate it. But right, I, I mean, in the right context, hell yeah. I like the hot one though. I haven't had. They have a good hot one. Yeah, news it's to really me. Good. All I right. Have, I actually have a canister on my desk because I put it on my lunch. <laughs> everything, each, not everything, but close to really. It's like <laughs> just crabs, short of, salad, breakfast cereal. I put it on my salad today. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I normally have chicken, and it tastes really good with okay, chicken. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you forgot chicken, would you still put it on? No, I wouldn't put it on just like a regular salad. Like if the salad didn't have protein with it, because then right, it would right. just be weird. All right, you guys didn't see this, but he bit his lip for a very long time. Well, that's because I... He thought about it. <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, all right, where were we? Oh, where is where can people find... Orchid seller. Oh yeah, so um, <coughs> definitely check out uh, Firestone's Market. Um, spin the bottle. Um, all all these places are in Frederick. Yeah. Um, but you can go. You can go to the actual meadery. Oh right? yeah. yeah, we so got like, we got a tasting room. Yeah, where sorry, sorry. <laughs> trying to. Trying yeah, I don't want you to, to wonderful to people. Try to remember every single place you can. But that's probably on your website, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything in like Frederick, Washington County, we have on our website, and then uh, outside of that, we have a distributor that likes to hide it. <laughs> um, it's all good. Um, but yeah, uh, tasting room. We uh, we do tastings year round, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, um, and we get to. Get you to try a little bit of everything so no matter sort of what your style is we'll find it out and um yeah a whole bunch of like fun sort of like you know metery only exclusives and things like that are being released there um yeah lots of fun stuff we got a local blackberry coming out for valentine's day weekend and then we also have a local peach coming out not too much longer Ooh. after that yeah our um will elemental include additional flavors at some point or yeah that's what i mean Black okay those are elemental yeah. okay so basically we're gonna we're thinking about sticking with these f f uh four flavors that's kind of our staples and then okay. adopting kind of the brewery model of like limited seasonals kind of flowing in flowing out um so those are already set you know you could uh take a page from uh, iron city and make a mango one we could um <laughs> I try to stick with local stuff as much as possible. I mean, like obviously, lemon and vanilla is not going to happen, but uh, and grapefruit. But you know, ciders from the Story Lane Cider Works. Strawberries are from a whole bunch of places up in like the Smithsburg area, and uh, yeah. So blackberries are from I think it's Mountain Valley Orchard, if I'm not mistaken. Um, That's what I was I was confused. Distillery Lane Cider Works yeah. cider is way drier than most. It can be other ciders. Yeah, That's they their stuff is a good bit drier. Um, and then Willow Oaks um, is a is a bit of a, a newer producer. Not many people have heard of. Really good, uh, sparkling, naturally carbonated ciders. So with Elemental mm -hmm. um, or even mead in general, do you does it play well better from craft beer drinkers or wine drinkers? 
I think it depends on the style. Okay. So the orchid seller stuff's a little more so for the wine drinkers, but especially once we get to the hunter series with all the spicy ones, uh-huh. a lot of beer drinkers are down to get a little crazy with that. Okay. And then I think the elementals, it's it speaks a little more towards the beer drinkers, but honestly, we're kind of we kind of operate in this like middle stepchild or yeah, yeah, kind of like gray area in between. Um, so yeah, middle stepchild's like just taking the middle child thing to another level. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, 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 we operate in this sort of awkward interior where like we find ourselves kind of inventing a new area of the industry. Um, so we're just wading into uncharted waters. Um, but we still, you know, go to wine festivals, go to beer events. And sometimes people know about us and sometimes people are just like confused and I'm like, all you got to do is say, you like alcohol? You like honey? Yes. You allergic to either? No. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. That's essentially it. Um, so I think Elemental is a good one to start with because it's a little bit easier to sort of wrap your mind around. And then Orchid Cellar is when we're going to be talking about something that has, you know, four or five ingredients. You know, it's going to be made in a very special way, you know, is aged for longer than, you know, most people are ever going to drink even a wine that's aged. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, and also the flavors are a little bit stronger. It's a little more of a. It's kind of like it's kind of like jumping right to scotch as your first distilled spirit. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, scotch is gross. So. <laughs> I I don't like smoky things. Okay. So I, like I don't like I don't like peat. I got like you. The peaty. That's okay. Scotches. And stuff, we can't so. all have taste. <laughs> I'm I'm perfectly okay with my wrong opinions. <laughs> no, it's, I, you know, I think I don't know if the I don't I don't know if the beer industry uh, is like this. Maybe you can illuminate me on, on it a little bit. But wine industry, you get a lot of people that there's right and wrong answers, and it's sort of like if you like this, it's wrong, and if you like this, it's right. And and what I always try to say to those people is you're basically just closing off wine to outsiders you're basically making it so that they can't approach it nicely and sort of pleasantly and whatever the hell you like is the right answer yeah i think in with beer it's just a vocal minority that are like that okay but for i think for the most part people will just try everything that's awesome yeah wine drinkers i think are a little more walled off not not always but like you know I only drink Chardonnays that are unoaked, you know, I, I only drink Redsons, not Cab Francs, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Whereas, like, uh, you know, I, I, I'll only drink an unoaked hazy IPA. There you go. <laughs> I, I just think it's, it's a, you know, you just got to throw some of your, your preconceived notions out the window. Um, so, and if, and if you can do that, then, yeah, you can probably find something you really like. And it's, uh, honestly, we get, we get. Older drinkers that are a little bit tougher to sort of throw that out, you know, they have more time to sort of solidify yeah. what they like. Whereas younger drinkers are just sort of like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, just pour it, man. Yeah, um, stop talking. Yeah, exactly. Tell me about squeezing bees. Yeah. Just um, they're just like, all right, let's get to the goods. <laughs> um, so, and I, I appreciate both ways. Yeah. I encourage people to try the strawberry. Well, actually, I mean, all three of those that we tried were ridiculously good, but I love the strawberry, but I love strawberries in general. It's You're not alone. <clears throat> it's uh, Yeah, the strawberry has been uh, stressful to try to keep in stock. What kind of hops are in the grapefruit and hops one? Uh, it's going to be Citra and Medusa. Okay. Um, so Medusa was kind of a, at a left field one, and you know I think they're Mexican hops, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, no. Yeah, I, I sounds right. Yeah, should have said it with more confidence. <laughs> Mexican, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, we just we love the flavor profile, and we're always about you know something a little left and center. You know, just a little weird. That's that's our whole thing. Delightfully odd. You know. So I have, I have one more question. Uh huh. Um, when you age mead, uh-huh. is it is there just more happening within the mead, like? It's, sitting in the bottle it's going to change or are you aging it in the barrel that long because it's interacting with the barrel uh yes to both so it'll definitely change much more before it's bottled than after it's bottled but even after it's bottled it will still continue to change a bit just less so okay um but in yeah a good way or is it degrading um if it's made correctly in a good way okay yeah That's awesome. typically the fruit needs you know after two three four years you pretty much want to drink them I mean, they're not going to spoil or anything like that, but you'll get a little bit. If you use real honest fruit, you'll get a, bit, a little bit of sediment in the bottom. Yeah. You know, it'll kind of muddy, muddle the flavor a little bit. Whereas the spice meads, you know, the vanillas and the gingers and that kind of stuff, um, it's. Uh, I mean, I think for the meat, uh, the mead maker's wedding, we opened a seven or eight year old bottle of uh, one of the ones we have called Monk, and it was, I mind-bending how good it was nice yeah like it, it, it almost tasted musty like in a good way like uh somehow like a little layer of dust had fallen on every single sip that you're having <laughs> so it's like an old like i don't know like an old catcher's glove it had like the aroma of that it was super cool so the orchid seller product line mm-hmm. let it sit around if you want to um go nuts don't don't Should keep for... don't do that for elemental though yeah elemental probably two years yeah yeah, even um, now, I mean, that's a long time. We're we're still testing because um, it's again, it's a kind of a new uncharted yeah. territory. But I mean, honestly, we tried bottles that we've been making for a uh, year and a half now. It still tastes great. And the funny thing is, the reason this whole thing started is we made what's called a sizer, so a mead that you know you take the honey and you don't dilute it in water, you dilute it in cider, mm-hmm. kind of like what you have right in front of you. And we made it a still mead. And we've always sort of done this all natural, you know, way of doing things. And it started to recarbonate in the bottle. So that all of a sudden, every single cork started to push up. <laughs> and luckily, it wasn't a huge batch, but we yeah. were horrified. And we were like, all right, recall all these, bring them all back. And then we started tasting them. And they tasted better sparkling. And we were um, like, wait a minute. We got something. Here. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of what started all this. It was just sort of an accident. And, um, you know, uh, we found that uh, carbonating things wasn't nearly as as difficult as we thought it was, uh, especially when it comes to honey. Because I mean, like, we had the, like the flying dog kegging team come out, and they were like, "Oh, if you just do this, it'll be ready to go in a few hours." It didn't. Like, they were kind of stumped <laughs> by a few things, and yeah. you know, they're they're pros. Yeah. So we were just sort of like, "Oh my gosh!" Like everything requires, you know, okay, take what you know about beer. And just work away from that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that what works for beer is going to work for me. Yeah. Um, so it's it's just a lot of a lot of secrecy there. So um, good secrets. But yeah. So the um, I mean, obviously, alcohol is a preservative. Mm-hmm. The and I think you said it before we started recording. Maybe yeah. hopefully not while we were recording because now <laughs> I just sound even more stupid than usual. <laughs> um, but it, the honey acts as acts as a act as a preservative also yeah absolutely yeah i mean essentially it's it's its own preservative you're taking honey and fortifying it with alcohol um so it's super stable yeah (laughs) i mean the orchid cellar ones we 
casually say that it should be good sealed for about a century, but we'll let well, you, you know. You also tell people you milk bees. So we I do. Don't... Yeah. <laughs> I'll put it this way. You can open a bottle. We have a bottle of, oh, I want to say it's Castellan, which is our Madagascar vanilla one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been open for longer than I've been at the company. So like maybe like seven years or so. It still tastes great. Oh, wow. Open. Like, yeah, that's, that's a whole other level. To, yeah. I mean, that's why monasteries made this. Essentially, before they understood, you know, bacteria and, and biochem and that kind of stuff, it essentially, they realized it just wouldn't spoil under any circumstances. Yeah. So, I mean, we've tried, like, putting our bottles out in direct sunlight in 100-degree summer Nothing and then trying to freeze it. them and then pick them back out, take them back out. Yeah, you may slightly start to alter the flavor after doing that a few times, yeah. but never had a bottle go bad. That's crazy. Yeah. Um. That, I mean, really, like, we don't have to use, like, all of, like, the preservatives and adjuncts and, and cleaning chemicals that, you know, everyone else has to. Yeah. Um, it's kind of cool. Yeah, because you just pour honey down the side of the tank. I mean, I assume you, you can't do that with wine, right? No. And, then, I mean, some, like, vodka, you obviously can't. Right. Anything that's <laughs> distilled yeah. high enough. Yeah. I mean, we'll think about, you know, if you're traveling... You well, know. even whiskey, though, I mean, it, it, to a certain, it'll yeah, oxidize six months. and yeah, yeah. it's not going to be as good. I mean, you know, don't be wrong. We say the first three months is when the best flavor is. Yeah. But in terms of like actually full on spoiling and turning, I still have yet to happen. Um, the way we look at it is like if you just imagine before we could understand distilling, you know, imagine thousands of years ago, you're traveling across the Sahara on a horse or camel or whatever the heck you're doing. Um, wine's going to turn to vinegar. Beer is, you know, it's going to bake into bread eventually. <laughs> um, uh, meat is the only thing that's going to actually be uh, reliable for you. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. I mean, there's this there's this really cool thing. Uh, if you go to an Ethiopian restaurant, and I don't know who still does it the right way, but they've served mead called Tej, T-E-J. And it's typically made with gesho root, maybe a little bit of hops. And the idea was to drink something that's 2 to 3% still fermenting while you drink it because you know they eat with their hands yeah so before they understood cleanliness and all that kind of stuff or clean water they would drink lightly fermented sort of honey water it would sterilize the water and keep them from getting sick it's genius yeah that bread is disgusting (laughs) really i I like it i don't like it what's the texture yeah, because you get like that film mm-hmm. all over your fingers. I yeah, can't, like it, it, it's making my skin crawl <laughs> just thinking about it. <laughs> I'm I'm all down for weird foods. All I down. like weird foods. I just, just don't want to have to eat it with my hands and have like this gross like. It's when you go to the, when you go to the Ethiopian restaurant, you gotta pick who you go with. You take your clean friends. I'll put it that yeah. way. Oh, I mean, I went with people who are really into it and, and clean people, and right. they loved it. And like, they were like, "You got to go here. You'll love it." But as soon as I touch that bread, I'm like, "Ah, this is disgusting." The food was great, yeah. Other than the feeling of the bread, I got gotcha. you. I but gotcha. I'm weird too. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, yeah. All right. So I want to drink some of that. We this is you get some. Right. So this is actually. You were only the set. I mean, uh, who knows how many people Tyler and Braden have let tried at this point. They're giant liars. Um, but last week, we pulled some out of the barrel for the first time. So this is the actual finished product. Um, this was distilled from um, it's a single malt whiskey. Can't mm-hmm. be called whiskey, though, because we infused it with hops. Right. Uh, UK Goldings and Meridian Hops. Um, okay. And it's 25% chocolate malt. This was 
think this is in the barrel just shy of two years. Um, nice. And it's if it's not all gone, it's currently for sale. Oh, <clears> wow. They've already started? N- no, but oh. I mean, this is the, well, I'm not going to be releasing this until the end of December. Or oh, so, probably. okay. So, <laughs> so now so it's I'm going to leave right from here and go get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you for coming out. Absolutely, um, man. Uh, telling me about bee milking and how to make mead and i love um all of the elemental ones we got to try especially the strawberry absolutely delicious afterwards i don't know if i can handle that right now (laughs) (laughs) Um, but thank you for coming out and uh thank you everyone for watching and listening cheers Uncapped is brought to you with support from mcclintock distilling maryland's first and only organic certified distillery They are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to mcclintockdistilling.com for more information. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.